Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulchandani. And I'm Heather Michaelgaard. Welcome to The M Word, where we have uncensored conversations on all things marketing. Due to COVID, we are not recording in the studio and apologize for any poor audio or technical glitches. As soon as it is safe, we will have our guests with us in the studio. Until then, stay healthy and wear a mask. Hello and welcome to The M Word. My name is Jennifer. And I'm Heather. And today we're talking to Carlin Ankrum with Osnap Social. Carlin is the founder of Osnap Social and creator, creator of the Fan Firestarter Framework. Say that 10 times fast. It is a new approach to social media marketing. Carlin developed her user-friendly strategy after working for a decade with a variety of brick-and-mortar businesses who were decidedly social allergic, as she calls it, not because they don't want to do social media, but because they were intimidated by it. In her response, her new system helps newbies get on the fast track to unsucking their social media in just one hour per week. Thanks for being here, Carlin. I'm excited to hear all about what this fan fire starter framework is. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be chatting with some friends. This is awesome. Yeah, we agree. And we're really glad you're here. How about to set the stage since not everybody knows you like we do? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your your you know background in marketing and, and how long you've had your business. Yeah, so it's a long story, I think, like many of our kind of founding stories. But really to keep it short and sweet and simple. Um, I started Osnap Social about seven years ago um, as a side hustle. Like many of us did, I was working full-time for an agency. It was a branding um, and management agency in the area. And I worked for several startups before that and developing social media strategies from scratch. And when I was in this agency, I was learning a ton about systems and SOPs and just how to develop a framework around how to run a business. I always knew I wanted to own my own business and I was a little gun shy at first. I was like, oh, can I really do this? Like, is this something that I have the courage to take that leap? Um, I hired a business coach. She gave me the, the knowledge and tools to put in my, my two weeks notice. And I did. I took Osnap Social after for five years as a side hustle full-time for myself, and I'm about to hit three years, which is insane, in July of 2021. So that has been kind of my journey with Osnap. Um, before that, I have a journalism degree. I've always loved writing. Um, it's been, I was like the 10-year-old kid that was filling up composition notebooks, like of all their like 10-year-old thoughts, which I thought were genius. Uh, I found them a few weeks ago when my mom was, you know, weeding out her house and it was just a lot of going to the pool and hanging out with my friends is what was captured on that. But I made it a thing every single night to write in my journal and talk about my day um, and record my adventures. So, and now like social media is kind of doing that for businesses, recording those micro moments um, to captivate an audience and relate back to them. So. Well, congratulations on three years. That is awesome. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe it's been like three years already. It'll, it'll, and the next thing you know, it'll be 10. But <sighs> Carlin, so tell me, are you actually doing social media for your clients? Or are you training them to do their own or a little bit of both? A little column A, a little column B. Um, 
I have been doing the done for you service since the inception of OSNAP social, even when it was a hot a side hustle. Uh, and I now see a, such a, a greater need for the solopreneurs and small business owners to really take the reins of their social and run with them because anyone can hand it off. But what really makes social special is that behind the scenes, the human to human, right? That we always are talking about that relatability, the approachability. And like, as much as I would love to say that I am, you know, I can be my client. I'm pretty good at like doing that with my journalism background. I can like imbibe a voice of anyone in any brand, but I am not them. I cannot go on camera and be them. That's not a thing that is possible to do, unfortunately. So I'm constantly pushing them. And you guys know this, right? Like constantly pushing the boundaries, getting them to show up to, and I always say this, show their face, step out from behind the logo and own it. And sometimes they need a little bit of handholding. And sometimes they need a, like a good swift kick in the, in the rear to get them out there. But once they get out there, they have a sense of confidence that they didn't know they had. Um, and so that's probably one of the most rewarding pieces of what I do is like seeing them, like it clicks in and they get it and they start to shine and they're like, oh, I know more than I thought I did because we're so in the trenches every day of what we do that they don't really realize their value until someone like us comes along and like pulls it out of them. And I think that is the coolest like eureka moments that happen. And, you know, it helps when I have a little fun in the process. So I try to keep it fun and light. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit about kind of the two sides of the coin, the done for you side. And then the, I get more fulfillment, honestly, out of helping them see kind of see the light, um, at the other side of the tunnel, um, where they really, it really clicks in for them. Yeah. We always say there's no substitute for you, but they definitely need some coaching and a little handholding. And it is so cool when they're like, Oh, that wasn't so bad. You know, and, the, and then they finally start to do it on their own. Carlin, you said that you love marketing. What specifically do you love about marketing? I What I love about marketing is a lot of the time there's no rules. Uh, just because a strategy works for, you know, a competitor doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And what I love is that it can drive your sales, right? Like that's the whole point is, as marketers, we are the messenger in the for the message. I don't know if that makes sense, but we are the messenger for the message. It is our job to help one bring awareness to people who have no idea who you're who you are, and then share something that's so gosh darn creative that they're like, ooh, that's good. That's me. You get me. We hear, you know? And then getting them to take that next step whatever that next step is in the goals for that particular uh, client or company. Um, and it's, we get to connect all the digital dots, which I think is the coolest part about marketing. Um, but I also think the expectations around marketing frustrates a lot of companies and clients and, you know, marketing agencies like us that are trying to do it right. Um, Cause there's a lot of, can you go more into that? What do you mean, like, the the tension between the ones who are trying to do it right and the, the ick factor? I, you started to talk about cringe, right? Yeah, it's, it is, it's an epidemic um, of sorts. And I don't like to use that word because now it's like, meh. But 
everyone that has a conversation with me that is in that small business, like one or two people, like a boutique or a book author or anyone that comes to me, they're like, I worked with agencies and they royally screwed me. How are you different? And like, I'm like, I am also a small business, so I am not one to churn and burn your money. And if I can help you, I will help you. And if I can, I will send you and refer you to someone else. Because I'm not in the business of burning other people's money and flushing it down the toilet. And a lot of the times that almost like takes their guard down because they've been burned so many times. And it's just like, it hurts my heart because I'm there and I've been screwed before too. Like I bought a lot of Facebook data and that makes me less sad about saying that I spent tens and thousands of dollars on Facebook ads. It didn't work because I didn't do it myself. I trusted someone else. That was their job. They did and they didn't deliver and they didn't deliver on these huge expectations and promises air quote promises they were giving me. And that's what happens a lot of the time is Marketing companies like, we can do this. And then like they get, you know, then the small businesses get super jazzed. And then they don't get this big thing over here. And then they're pissed and upset. And then they're ruined for the rest of us who actually genuinely want to help them. Yeah. And I think I, I, I love how you're sharing that because it's so true. And you know, you mentioned expectations and expectation setting, but, you know, more practically, like what, if, if you're a small business who's listening to this right now and you've not done social organic or paid social, you know, what, what are, what are the flags? Like, how do I know that the person who's trying to sell me this service is not blowing smoke? I would say ask for results. Like if they have numbers, like especially for Facebook ads, I think that's the most common one um, is you have to do a little bit of educating too sometimes in these discovery calls, um, which I love doing, right? Like, let me be real with you. Um, And I also, so really educating them first, number one. And then number two, asking asking for that agency to give you some results or a case study or something like that. So you can get a feel for who they are and what they do. And then also do your due diligence and read their website. If there's not a ton about their um, core values or who they are or what their back, their experiences, if there's no face of their company, that's a red flag too. So those three things are a great place to start. Um, other than that, like I would totally find someone that's in alignment with like your energy or they've worked with companies similar to yours. Uh, those are really good factors too, because you gen and like, I look out for that too. when I'm talking to new clients, because if I don't like mesh well with their personality, it's going to be a problem regardless. Um, and, and so I try to find people that are fun, upbeat, trust me, <laughs> which takes some time. Right. Um, but that would, that's, that's something that I encourage everyone to shop around, do your due diligence, ask a lot of questions, um, and go from there. Carlin, I want to talk a bit about spending money, particularly on Facebook ads, let's say, um, you were burned, it sounds like, and I, I kind of remember that story. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you tell someone who's listening, a small business owner, like what should they expect to spend and what should they expect to get out of it? Do you have like a, a standard now that, that you tell people? I, I try to stick to a standard, but as you know, it evolves and changes, changes as much as we change our underwear for being honest. Okay. Um, so for me, if they, I need to get a really good handle around what is the goal they're trying to accomplish? What is their offer? I am not their business coach. I am not the CEO of their business. They need to share with us what their objective is with their ad. We want to sell 20 slots in our next webinar. We want to do this, this, or that. Like, And then when I look at it, if I'm like, have you tested this offer? No. Okay, well, let's test it organically first. Do people even want it? Put it in your newsletter. Those are your tried and true people. If they don't want it, then ads might not convert. Um, and, and I always say like Facebook, and this is what I love. It's like Facebook is a great place to start an ad campaign or like test something because it's cheap. <laughs> it's really cheap to get your ad in front of eyeballs, really inexpensive versus like a billboard that's tens of thousands of dollars on the interstate and people are driving by at 80 miles an hour and they don't even see it. So, you know, and that's where there's some education. I think people, again, are waking up to the fact that digital is more cost efficient. It takes less time and energy. um, And you can actually see the data and the results versus a billboard. You don't know how many people are driving past it at 80 miles an hour, how many people are pulling over, snapping a picture and remembering that for later. You don't know that. Facebook ads, you can see that. Is this working? Is this not working? Um, Do we need to switch up the strategy? Uh, So my recommendation is if you have not already installed a pixel on your website or Facebook, do that. There's a lot of nuances now with the new new iOS 14 updates, like install all of the pixels. Um, All of the event pixels must be installed. Uh, And then, you know, that allows you to gather that data so you can eventually retarget down the road run traffic campaigns to your landing page, get people there, get people aware that you exist. Um, and you can do that for, for, you know, $200 to $500 a month. But again, I know people that put $10,000 of ad spend and then on the other side, they get $50,000. So your ROI <laughs> is huge in that, that, that capacity. So it really is just depends on where you're at. Most of the small businesses that I help, they're in that $200 to $1,000 ad spend. We're creating leads. We're getting them to have downloads and add people to their email list or getting them signups for their webinars. That's kind of where they're at or we're just driving traffic to their website. So it sounds like you are not a, a business owner who's afraid to invest in, in her own marketing because you've you have stories to tell of, of bad investments in your own marketing. So where does that leave you today in terms of how do you, where are you prioritizing investing in your own growth and why are you investing where you are? Yeah, this is a, I love this question. Um, I am investing right now in a team. Um, I have 
we're small, but we're mighty. Um, I have two other people that help me with content development and community management for our clients. All that manual Instagram engagement, right? That the client doesn't want to do. Um, so I have someone that's really great from the hospitality world that helps with that. So she's got that, you know, the the pleasant um, factor and can really take note of the voice and tone. Um, and then I have an integrator, which I guess is like an OBM. Um, I have someone that's helping with all of my SOPs and getting all of my business stuff taken care of because like, I, not my zone of genius. Let me create content all day long. Um, I do not want to do that. So she's helping me with that in terms of, so that's where I'm investing. Now on the social landscape, I'm going in on Instagram and LinkedIn. Why? LinkedIn is where people are going to sign a contract with me <laughs> because they're there to do business. Instagram, quite honestly, I just like it. It's like one of my favorite uh, favorite ones. Um, and it opens me up to other social media managers. So if and when I decide I want to create more of a digital product or something, that audience is going to be more readily there. So kind of like two different audiences. Um, one's more fun, one's more buttoned up, though the fun stuff is working really nicely on LinkedIn lately. Um, so those are the two that I'm going in on. And then I have to feed the fire on the others just so people, you know, <laughs> see that I'm active. Carlin, I follow you on both and I've seen your very fun posts on Instagram. <laughs> Is there any marketing tactic that you haven't yet tried, maybe because it's a little out of your comfort zone? And what would that be? Um, any type of live video. I love video, but I'm not good on the fly like at all. Like I need to be prompted. I need people to like ask me questions, like, which is why podcast is great. But the thought of me doing my own podcast or own live show literally gives me anxiety. So, but I also know Facebook live is where it's at. So for like Facebook, in terms of Facebook, right. And we've, I've done some in the past, <laughs> Heather. And, um, it's, it was really fun, um, but I think I get that the tech tools and all of that get in my way, and it used to be a lot simpler for me, and I'm like, I need StreamYard now, and I need this, and I, I'm like, I just, can I just hit record? Like, I, you know, why is it so dang hard? And I want to get LinkedIn Live because I feel like that would be more valuable for me. Um, it's, I've been applying, but I haven't yet. So I'm waiting for 5,000 followers on there and maybe they'll give me a shot. I'm so close. So that is so surprising to me because yes, you and I used to do our live show. We did have some notes, um, but I wouldn't know that watching you on LinkedIn and Instagram and even Facebook. And I think it's just a testament to those listening who, you know, are like, oh, I could never do that. Like, even those of us who are doing something get nervous and we get scared and actually Facebook live. I don't, I would much rather just go for it without a script. And like, to me, that's my comfort area right now, but like putting together a reel, mm -mm. like I need, I need your tips. <laughs> I love me some reels, man. Those are fun times love them. I encourage everyone to do them because just the cold reach. It's crazy. Yep. That's, that's right. And, and it's fun, but I, you know, part of what you were saying that jumped out at me, cause you didn't say it this way, but is 
sometimes we create barriers for ourselves to do marketing, right? If I don't do it this way with that tool, then I don't want to do it. Maybe we're perfectionists or we just are just intimidated by it all. And we see this with our clients too. It's like, sometimes you just want to say like, just do it, get out of your own damn way, right? Like stop creating, uh, a barrier to entry because to do a lot of these tactics, as you've said already, Carlin is it's just hit record. And maybe it isn't going to be something that you've seen out there, but it's going to be better than not doing anything. Um, so I really want to go back to, uh, where we started. And that was you sharing the system that you've created to really work with folks who are intimidated by the whole thing And you're saying in an hour a week, you can get people going from zero to engaged on their own social. So tell us more about this. How, what, where? Yeah. So the fan fire starter framework. Yeah. I tried to say that 10 times fast when I first made it up. I was like, I love alliteration, like love alliteration. Anytime I can be, you know, redundant like that, I'm here for it. Um, But it really, and I was like, okay, how can I break down the fan fire starter framework in a way that's even easier to consume? Um, And it's simple, PSA, pulse check, strategy, advance. And the advanced piece is kind of broken out into two little spokes where it's like implementation and management, right? And so if you, with the pulse check, if you are not popping the hood on where you're at, how on earth are you going to know where you're going? Like, how are you going to be able to put a strategy together if you're not drawing a line in the sand and saying, okay, this is where we're starting from. This is the content that's working well. This is the content that's absolute garbage and we should never do this again. But a lot of times, like, and I know you guys see this too all the time is they're not, they're posting and then they're ghosting and they have no idea what worked. And then they get frustrated because they're like, this didn't work. It's like, well, did you keep posting that same type of thing for months and months? Why don't you switch up the strategy? And that's where we come in as professionals to help them. And so the strategy is to make sure everyone's on the same page that they know where they're going. They know what success looks like on social media. And I can't tell you how many times I've asked people on discovery calls or whatever, what does success look like for you on social media? And the amount of blank stares that I get when I ask that question is I'm just like, okay, well, let's start there, right? Like, like really, because I want to be, because that helps me manage their expectation. And if they say something like, I want 10,000 followers in a week or a month or whatever, I'm going to be like, that's cute, boo-boo. But we, that's not, it. social is a long-term game, period. You got to be in it to win it. And it's got to, you got to be, you know, buckled in and ready to rock with a strategy in place. Uh, and then the implementation piece, we all know that's the fun part. That's the content creation. The management is nurturing the community, which we all know. Um, and then reevaluating everything. Now talking about the, the content per, you know, an hour to get it cranked out. That's all you need because I think you hit the nail right on the head too, Jennifer is people overthink everything, everything when it comes to their social Because I think what starts to like leach into the brain is I'm not as good as so-and-so that's already been done. What makes me the expert in talking about this, right? It's that imposter syndrome. It's that comparison. And then just the, 
lack of knowledge and experience on putting themselves out there. But I'm with you. Just press the dang record button. See what happens. If Joanna Gaines can film an entire Food Network special on her iPhone with her kid as the cameraman and also forget half of the ingredient, you can hit the record button too on your phone or have your kid or husband or wife, whoever, record you. Like you have value between your ears. Share it with people so they know that you exist. People are looking for solutions that you provide. You're not showing up for them. You're doing them and also yourself a disservice, more importantly, them. And that's what people do. Like everyone makes it about them. I feel uncomfortable being in front of the camera. I don't want to do this. I feel uneasy. But, but is, the- it, is it part of it though? Like you work with retailers, right? Brick and mortar business people who... And we've heard this too, like I I sell cookies or, you know, I'm a dry cleaner. Like, what do I have to say on social media? Like how, what is there, what do people want to hear from me? How do you help them see that there's a story they could tell? Asking a lot of questions and getting so excited when they tell me their story that they like suddenly like are energized by the fact that I was like, that's the best story. Like, that's such a great, why aren't you sharing that on social? And I'm like coming from an actual genuine place. Cause I have a junk removal company as a client right now. Junk ain't sexy. It just isn't. It's not pretty pictures. It's not, but there is some creative ways that I'm super stoked to put out there into the world that share their story, that make them different than their competitors, right? And it's finding that differentiator that's going to resonate with their audience that no other dry cleaner or no other baker or dentist or whatever has that they do that will resonate with someone. There's 850 million social media people in the world. But not everyone's going to resonate with like my ridiculously high energy. Some people may be like, you're a lot. I'm going to be like, I know. I'm not for everybody and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Carlin, what have you seen over the last year um, in regards to the pandemic and digital marketing? What have I seen? I've seen a double down in digital and that's been super, super exciting. I think people are waking up from their social hibernation And realizing since they couldn't rub elbows with other professionals locally or otherwise, that they need to take this social media thing seriously, especially on a place like LinkedIn. Um, I've seen more use there um, tenfold. And even myself, just giving my own profile a facelift um, with some keywords and all that good stuff. Last year generated 15 grand extra on my bottom line that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So there is power in taking another look at your profile and finding other people to connect with on a place like LinkedIn, whether it's local or ballooning out to a more national level. But I think people get so stuck in a rut when it comes to LinkedIn. They're like, it's just a place for my resume. No, no. It's a place for you to be a resource for for other people, just like most social share your story, share what you're working on, share your win, you know, do a fun podcast with your colleague and share it there. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah, whoop, whoop. there's a lot of different things that you can do on LinkedIn. And what I love about that one in particular 
is for the B2B people that are listening, you need to be there. You just need to be there. Um, show up consistently, engage, share your value and your expertise. I don't know if that answered your question, but. That's great. So, you know, given the industry that you work in and the, you, I think you're, you quipped that it changes as much as we change our underpants. Facts. Where and how do you keep up? And, you know, are there people or sources or resources that you look to for your own continuing education or people that you respect a lot in the field? Yeah, I really, you have to be careful with who you follow, to be fair, because I also get stuck in, like all of us, and stuck in the comparison. And everyone's like, you gotta do like 800 reels in one day. And you're like, but I'm running a business and I'm doing like, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And it's where you have to really shift and myself included of who I'm following, what I'm taking and what I'm leaving. My favorite resource still to this date, because of all the how-tos is social media examiner. I'm just going to say it, right? Like they just have really good step-by-step. So if I'm like, how do I do? And then I like search there and it's there. Um, I like Agora Pulse. They have great stuff. Um, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts, if I'm being honest, because I don't have a commute anywhere anymore. Um, I've been really liking Clubhouse uh, to listen to some rooms, more or less to feel validated, not necessarily to learn. Um, There aren't a ton of rooms in there that are super high level, in my opinion. Um, Other resources. And people I respect in the industry, Jen Herman for Instagram, all things Instagram. She's absolutely phenomenal. She calls it like it is. She's going to tell you if your feed looks like a dog's breakfast. Um, but she's uh, she's from Canada, so she won't actually be that, <laughs> won't say it like that. She's very nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jen Herman's great for Instagram. Um, and I respect her a lot in that industry. Carlin, you mentioned social media marketing world. It's, I think, the first conference you and I went to together, and we have many friends in that circle. What's your opinion or stance on live conferences coming back this year? Do you think it'll happen? Would you go? Would you pay for it? I think they're going to come back. I think they're going to be September, October um, of 2021. I think they're going to make a resurgence. I personally don't feel comfortable going on an airplane yet. So that being said, I have a few um, personal engagements coming up in the end of the summer that I will be forced to be on an airplane. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I, I think you have to be really smart with the type of conferences you go to and have a goal when you go. Like, what's your goal? Like for social media marketing world, mine was to deepen the relationships that I made year over year. Cause you, you know, you have your internet friends, which sounds super dorky, but I think that's kind of everyone now, which is great. <laughs> Everyone's got internet friends. Um, but having, having a set goal, a clear intention for what you're, are you going to go to learn? Are you going to go to network? Are you there to, you know, find and sign clients, close deals, or are you there to, you know, just deepen the relationships with either the person who started the event or other people that, you know, go back consistently year over year. So that kind of will, and I haven't even been paying attention to them, to be honest. I'm like, I don't know what's coming up. Tell me. Um, But yeah. So Carlin, if you could go back to the first day that you put your shingle up, Osnap Social, 
and tell yourself anything, uh, what would it be? I actually recorded a video of my very first day as an entrepreneur. I was wearing pajamas because I could. It was great. Um, if I could tell myself one thing, that shit's going to get real. There's going to be speed bumps. There's going to be big-ass potholes. There's going to be people that want you to fail. And sometimes that person might be you. <laughs> Uh, there, that you are worthy of success, that you know what you're doing and go get it, girl. Well said. Carlin, if our listeners want more of Carlin and Osnap Social, where can they find you? Osnapsocial.com or you can find me Carlin Ankrum, A-N-K-R-O-M at LinkedIn and at Osnap Social Carlin on Instagram. That is awesome. So thanks, Carlin. Uh, this has been a lot of fun talking you today, talking with you today. The, our time always flies by, um, especially having a friend here, which is really, really nice. So appreciate you sharing your insights. Um, to our listeners, we've been talking with Carlin Ankrum from Close Snap Social. And stay tuned for our next episode. See ya. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll come back. Subscribe to The M Word wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more uncensored conversations, visit the M Word page at arlingtonstrategy.com.